good to be here this morning. Amen? Pray for my voice this morning. It's not exactly 100%. Um, I think the Bradford Pears about got me and my son. If you'll turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I like that last song we sung. If there's ever a time that we need him, it is today. Uh, we live in a world of absolute wickedness, and things seem to be falling apart, but we have Jesus, amen? And what a blessing that is. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's Word, we're going to just read two verses. I'm going to preach this morning on true ministry. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let's pray. Lord, God, I praise you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. God, I thank you for the many blessings of the day that you've already given us. God, I thank you for these that are here this morning. God, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of being here. God, I just pray that you would touch me this morning. God, use me as only you can. Lord, I'm absolutely unworthy to be used without you. God, I just pray that you would touch hearts this morning. God, speak to people. Lord, if there's any lost, I just pray that you would deal with them. God, convict their soul. Lord, and not let them leave this morning unsaved. God, we praise you. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've been finding myself preaching a lot from the, the Pauline epistles, and this is no different this morning, 2 Corinthians. And I'll give you a little bit of background. If, you, if you're a Bible student and you study your Bible much at all, you'll understand the fact that when the Apostle Paul went to Corinth to start a church, that he had his work cut out for him. This wasn't an easy thing. We know that Paul was a missionary, that he was miraculously saved on the road to Damascus. And after that, that he went to Arabia for a while and studied. But then he started going about and starting churches. And when he got to Corinth, he found a city that was utterly wicked. He found a place that was full of idolatry, that, that was full of false teaching that, and, and sensualism. There was, there, there to this day, you can go to where Corinth was and you can see ruins of the temples where they served these pagan gods. And the Apostle Paul went in there and, and to you and I, it would have looked like a tall order to go in and start a church in a place like Corinth. We would have probably went in there and we would say, this is just too wicked, we, we don't need to go here, but Paul... He was up to the challenge and he went in and he started preaching. Everywhere he went he would start preaching pretty much but he started preaching and people started getting saved and they started the church at Corinth. So the entire book of 1 Corinthians or at least most of it the Apostle Paul has to write them a letter and sort of straighten them out again. Because they, they had got saved, but still they lived in this pagan society and they lived in this place where there was just evil on every side of them. So the Apostle Paul had to write 1 Corinthians and, and kind of just, just remind them where they came from, remind them and say, hey, we're saved now, we're Christians, these are not things that we do. The Apostle Paul, he sort of reprimanded them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or 1 Corinthians the entire book, but then his focus sort of changes in 2 Corinthians he gives, the normal, uh, uh, he gives his normal greeting in the first couple of chapters, and then we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where I'm going to take my text from this morning. And he says this, 
You could say that the Apostle Paul was, was probably one of the greatest ministers that ever lived. Would you agree with me this morning? Probably one of the greatest preachers aside from Jesus Christ himself that ever walked this earth. Paul was a minister in his truest sense. But Paul did not look at the ministry as something that he did on his own. He looked at the ministry as everybody, as a whole, the whole church. And he says, therefore, he says, therefore, seeing we have received this ministry. That word we there is very important. That word, it shows that Paul was not just talking about a select few. He was not just talking about the pastor of the Corinthian church or the deacons, but he's talking about the church as a whole being ministers. This word minister in this verse literally comes with the same idea and the same word in the Greek as the word deacon. You can go to Acts and you can find that when they were asked to serve in Acts chapter 6, that word there is the same as the word minister here. The word minister simply means to go out and to serve. It comes with this idea. This is the best example I could give you, and it's not the best one in the world. But I like, I like to go eat. Don't you like to go out and eat at O'Charlie's and places like that? Y'all are blessed with good restaurants over here in Cookville. I'm from Sparta. We don't have much over there. But I like to go out and eat, and every time, I've never went to a restaurant where I had to go in and sit down and start waiting on myself. Have you? I, I always go in, the hostess, she, she takes me to my seat and sits me down, and then we sit there for a few minutes, get our menus out, and, and hopefully somebody's going to come up and they're going to ask you what you want to drink. Somebody's going to come up and they're going to ask you what you want to eat. And if they don't do that, that's probably not a place I'm going to go again. In fact, I've heard stories about that, and, and service is slow. I understand that sometimes. But we are used to being waited upon. Everywhere we go, there's somebody that has some kind of service to wait upon us. It, it seems that even when you go to McDonald's, they are at, they're, they're at your service when you go through that drive-thru, when you walk up to that. And everywhere we go, we have people that are, in a sense, ministering to us. They're bringing our food. When, you get, when that food comes out, you notice they've got it on a nice-looking plate, and they bring it out there, and they've got it looking just as good as they can. But do you ever think for a moment what would happen if you just sat there and nobody did anything for you? If nobody brought anything out to you, you would probably say, this is not something I want to be a part of. I'm going home. Christianity is, in, in a sense, the same way. When we're saved, when we're born again, God bestows upon us ministry. He hands us something. He says, listen, now that you're saved, you go out and you serve the world. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school, didn't we, Cecil? I thought Cecil was going to preach my sermon in Sunday school. But we go out and we serve the world. We take to them the things of God. And I think that one of the things that we fail to do as Christians, if we're not careful, is we fail to go out and to serve the world, to go out and to take them what we have. The Apostle Paul here, when he would go out, he was excited that he was saved. I'm sure there were times that he got disheartened. I was sure there's, there's times that he was discouraged. But he never lost sight of the fact that God saved him and put him on a, on, a, on a mission to go out and to tell the world about Jesus. And he says, therefore, as we have received this ministry, we're ministers as individuals. Brother Cecil brought that out in Sunday school. How that there are people all around you that need you. 
You may think you're insignificant. You may think that, that you don't have the, the biggest job to do or, or all these things. You may not have the, the greatest part. But all you have to do, God just asks you to go out and to serve and He will provide opportunities for you to serve in. I guarantee it, if you have a servant's heart, if you have a heart that is willing to serve, God will, will put, play, put you in places where that you can serve the world and win the world to Jesus. Did you know that? But not only as individuals, but also as a church. Not just Cookville Free Will Baptist, not just Sparta Free Will Baptist where I'm from, but the church as a whole, God has called us all to be ministers. I'm not a pastor, I'm an evangelist, and, and I go around to churches and I see... What I generally see is I kind of just sit back and I take account of things sometimes and I look and I see that a lot of times that a church's focus is inside the church walls. If we're not careful, we get inwardly focused and forget about the fact that there's about 35,000 people in Cookville that need something. I looked at the population of Cookville, 35,000 people, that blows my mind. And there's maybe 125 people here this morning. You don't think the fields are white and ready to harvest? We have opportunities every single day. He says that we have this ministry, not that one of these days we're going to get a ministry, or not that, that it's going to come to us one day. And Paul said that we have this ministry now. We have this ministry, and therefore we should go out into the world. That's what we have. The second thing I want you to notice is why we have it. It's one thing to have something and, and what we have, but I want you to understand this, that there's a really good reason that we have that ministry, and it's not anything that we did. You go on in, in verse number 1 there, he says, Therefore, seeing we have received this ministry, and we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul here wants to make a point when he's talking about this. He says that the only reason that we have this ministry is because we have mercy. That word mercy, sometimes we, we talk about grace all the time. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? That we are saved by grace, but grace and mercy go hand in hand. They, they, you can't have one without the other. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. Do you know what that is? Hell. If you're saved, you're, you're sitting here this morning by God's mercy. Nothing else. You couldn't have got up had, had God not had mercy on you this morning. I think of mercy this way. I think of things a little different. I work in the court system. And, and I, I enjoy going to court. Some, most people, when they say, oh, you've got to go to court, they kind of get a little nervous. But not me. I enjoy it. And I go in and I get to sit there and I get to watch court take place. And I like to sit there and I watch the judges as they go through and they weigh all the evidence and they make their decisions, and they make their rule, and, and all this, and, and these people, they're standing there, you know, that have committed a crime, and they're nervous, rightfully so, because they could ultimately end up in jail. And the judges, they'll make their judgment, and when that judge makes his judgment, then it doesn't stop there. See, the judge, he'll say guilty, or he'll say not guilty, and we'll dismiss it. But if he says guilty, the next thing that has to happen is the sentence has to come down. 
In big murder trials, sometimes this takes a while for the jury to deliberate and the judge and all these. But the court I go to, it happens pretty quick. Usually they, they get a couple, few days in jail and, and a little sentence and everything's okay and we're good to go. Did you know that, that when you were saved that you had to plead guilty? You had absolutely no defense. See, the thing about it is I think that sometimes we forget where we came from. As Christians, if we're not careful, we get caught up in the fact that we act like that we've been saved all of our lives, like that we came out of the womb and we were saved. And that's just not true. Ephesians chapter 2, before you get to verses 8 and 9, says this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had in our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse number 4, now that sounds pretty bad, don't it? That we were children of wrath, that we were, essentially it says that we walked according to the prince of the power there, that's the devil, that's who that's talking about. But then he says, but God who is rich in mercy... For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins. We were dead in our sins, hath quickened us or made us to life together with Christ. By grace are you saved. If we're not careful, sometimes we forget the great thing that God saved us from. It's not a real popular thing in churches today to talk about hell, is it? It's not a message I hear a lot. I listen to a lot of preaching. I go to a lot of different services. <clears throat> and that's not, just, that's not a word that we, we hear very much. But I want you to understand that hell is a very real place. It's absolutely real. It's, it's as real today as it was when Jesus told about it in Luke chapter 15. Just as real. And if you're not saved this morning, I want you to understand this. I'm not trying to scare you. But if that's what it takes, and that's what it takes, if you're not saved, you're on your way to hell. You may be a good person. You may live an alright life. You may have grown up in church. But if you've never been born again, you're headed to hell. And I don't want anybody under the sound of my voice this morning to die and go to hell when they have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. That would break my heart. But you know what? It happens every single Sunday. Every single day that people hear the gospel and still die just like that. I think people, they say somebody dies like every 1.3 seconds. How many of those people were ready to, to meet God? He says, therefore, he said, we have received this mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He said, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Such as were some of us, I'm not going to take a poll this morning, but I would say to the crowd this size that no doubt there was somebody in here that before you were saved, you might have been an alcoholic. 
Somebody in here this morning might have been a drug addict. Somebody in here might have been effeminate or an abuser of mankind or, or whatever the situation may be. That may have been somebody here. But he says, he says, but now you're washed. What are you washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ? We don't need to forget. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we need to always just bring up the past. And devil, he would love for us to just bring up our past and get defeated. But on the other hand, we don't need to forget where we came from. What God saved us from. The Bible says that we're saved from the wrath to come. No, everybody's going to die, aren't they? What statistic, statistic? One out of one people die. That's a pretty bad statistic, isn't it? 100%. And if you've not received God's mercy, you have the opportunity to this morning. Amen. But we stop, we, we, we see that we have the ministry because we have mercy. <clears throat> but now what do we do with this ministry? How, do, how does this ministry work? How does, how does it take place? It's one thing to sit here and tell you what you have. It's another thing to tell you how to use it. <clears throat> Pray for my voice. Verse number 2 says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but this is what we do. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. <clears throat> How we minister is that we go out and that we manifest the truth. The word manifest there, it, it means to, to make known or to tell about the truth. In the world that we live in, we're, we're, we're long on false teachings and we're pretty short on truth most of the time, aren't we? If you turn on the news, I, personally the news, it kind of discourages me, but some people like to watch the news. And you'll always hear, you ever hear the words fake news? You know, somebody will report something and then you'll hear somebody else will say, well, that's fake news. These days you don't even know who you can trust, really, do you? You don't know, you can't trust really anybody unless you almost see something with your eyes and know what happened. It seems like that everywhere we go in our society that, that false teaching and that things that are false and lies are just running rampant. They're everywhere. But as the church, we have the best thing that we could possibly have, and that is the truth. What is the truth? What's this blessed word right here? If you've got a Bible in your hand, you have the truth with you. you I, carry a, a, I carry a telephone everywhere I go. Cecil's got a real nice phone if y'all want to see it after church. But I carry my phone and, and I have a Bible on that phone and I can, I can find the truth on that. But not only do I have the truth here and, and in my pocket, but I have it in my heart too. See, I've committed some things to memory just in case maybe one of these days if they try to take our Bibles, I don't know, maybe they will. I still have the truth with me. And I can go out and I can tell the world what the truth is. See, the truth is this, as I've already said, that without Jesus, that, you're gonna, that you would die and go to hell. But here's the, here's the best part about it, is that Romans teaches us also that the truth is that Jesus came and He bled and He died for our sins and rose again the third day so that that didn't have to happen. That's the truth. That's the truth that we get to take forward. That's the best thing that you can take into the world is simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus didn't tell us in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, to go out into the world and preach doctrine, did he? No, he said, go out into the world and tell them about me. He said, go out into the world to those lost people, to those people that I've been ministering to. Did you know that that Mark Mark chapter 9, I believe it is, said that Jesus, he came to minister, not to be ministered to. But Jesus, he said in Matthew chapter 28, go ye therefore into all the world. Acts chapter 1, he says, go into the uttermost part of the world and tell them about me. What a privilege that we have to be able to go out. And as as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we have a, a privilege to go out and be ambassadors for Christ. You think about an ambassador, somebody that goes on behalf of a foreign country. We have ambassadors that come here. We send ambassadors. Did you know that we're ambassadors of a country? That country is heaven. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Every single day. Ministry is not necessarily always lived out inside these walls. It's lived out mostly outside these walls. I've preached hundreds, I don't know if I'm to a thousand sermons yet, but I've preached hundreds and hundreds of sermons. And I've seen people come down and I've seen people get saved. But there's some people that's never going to come to church. Did you know that? Might as well get used to it. Might as well understand that there are people that you're never going to get to come and sit in one of these pews. I'll tell you real quick before I close about a guy named Alan. I met Alan when I was working over at a place in Sparta. And Alan was rough. When I say rough, I mean rough. He's from Spencer. Anybody know where Spencer is? Y'all are from over in that area back there, yeah. He was from Spencer. And Alan... He, had ta- he, he was the epitome of a tough guy. He was the guy that wore the, the black Harley boots and the black cut-off T-shirts and had the wallet chain, you know, and he had tattoos, had a tattoo on his neck, had tattoos up and down both arms. And, and you know, to most people, they would say, well, that, that guy, he's kind of hopeless. That guy's probably been into some bad stuff. And that's what I thought. Until I, 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 and then finally, I guess in God's providence, He put me working right with Alan. Sometimes God puts you in situations that are not very comfortable, right? But you've got a minister. And I got to know Alan. And Alan, deep down, had a good heart inside of him. He was, he was raised unlike any of us probably were raised. Alan had a rough life. He said he had totaled every vehicle he ever had by drinking and driving. He would just get a new one and do it again. He told me that he would he used methamphetamine, every drug that you could use. And he told me I, I would I would talk to him and he knew I was a Christian. And I would talk to him. And he would he, he would tell me over and over, he would say, God won't forgive me for some of the things that I've done. And I said, Alan, that can't be further from the truth. That God will forgive you if you'll just plead guilty to that. If you'll just tell God, I'm guilty of all those sins, He will forgive you. You know what happened to Alan? Finally, one day, I was just minding my own business. And Alan walked up to me and he said, Can you tell me how I can be saved? I said, Absolutely, I can. I didn't have a Bible, but I led him down the Romans road and Alan was saved right there where we worked, nowhere near a church house. That's true ministry. You know where Alan is today? He's up in Spencer, Tennessee, 
leading the singing in a Baptist church. What a blessing that is. That's been three or four years ago. And, and he told me, he said, he said I, I don't know what I've been missing all my life. Alan, he's still the same old guy. He still looks kind of mean sometimes. I mean, but he's, he's, he wears his long sleeve shirts. The church covers up his tattoos. And most importantly, he goes out and he ministers to the world. Alan, now he can reach people I never had a chance of reaching. Alan can get to people, his family and those around him, I don't have a chance with. God has called us to true ministry. Outside of here. Sure, we minister in here, the pastor, the preacher. He ministers for a little while. The songs minister to us. But then we must take what we get and carry it forth into a lost and dying world. What a privilege we have. And it's because we've received the mercy of God. Brother Cecil, come get a song this morning. Everybody stand for just a moment. I want you to just think back in your mind. I'm not trying to bring up bad memories and all this, but I just want you to think back about where God brought you from and about the life that you may have lived at one time and that God brought you from that. You ought to say, thank you God this morning that I don't have to die and go to hell. Thank you God that you saved me from my sin. He didn't save us in our sin. He saved us from our sin. Pulled us out of it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're new creatures. If you're still living in those old things this morning, if you're lost and on your way to hell, I encourage you this morning to step out and come to the altar and ask Jesus to be your Savior so that you can be a true minister for Him. Brother Cecil.